0: I want to talk to you today about dysfunctional, unredeemable things, okay? Now, you all know I love carpentry, and in my love for carpentry, occasionally you look at something and you think, there is no way I can fix this. And so you get out your favorite tool, a very large sledgehammer, and you just make it disappear and you start over. And and that's kind of fun, but that's not life, is it? The reality is that God doesn't go into our lives and say, oh, there's no way I'm going to fix that. And he takes out the sledgehammer and he crushes our lives. He doesn't do that. That isn't God's way. In fact, occasionally someone will say to me at the end of a sermon, pastor, you're really beating me up today. And I'm going, boy, that was not my goal. My goal today wasn't... How can I abuse the church today? You know, how can I punch somebody today? That isn't my goal, nor is that God's goal. Because I think that one of the things that we need to understand about God that's very, very interesting is that he sees everything as redeemable. He sees everything as worth restoring. In fact, here's something that I find incredibly encouraging from having studied today's text an extra week. God's promises work best and will always work in the middle of human's dysfunction. Okay? Now, if, if you're here or you haven't been here for a while or, or you know people that aren't here and it's because they're going to get it together so they can show up. Uh, God works in the middle of all the dysfunctions of life. Especially family dysfunction, which I find really interesting. Because I think that sometimes we get this idea, you know, the whole world now is given to little lists. And there's a guy named Tom Rayner, and he is like the list guy for churches. And he says, seven things to do to heat up the this of your church. Three things to do to make visitors feel more comfortable. Ten things never to do because you will kill your church. All these, He has all of these lists all the time. But he's not the only one that has lists, does he? You know, family, family circle has lists for seven things to do to have a happier family. Six things you should put in your kid's lunchbox. Fourteen things you should do for your husband. Sixty-seven things you should do for your wife to make her happy. You know, the list goes on and on and on and on, right? But the bottom line is, we need to probably all our raise our hands together and say, I have to confess I'm dysfunctional. And that probably my family would function really well except for I'm a member of it. <laughs> you know? In fact, you are sitting right now in the dysfunctional family of God. You know? We need to rewrite Bill Gother's song. Bill Gaither wrote a song, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. It should be, I'm so glad I'm a part of the dysfunctional family of God. Well, why do I bring that up? Because... The story that we're going to read in Genesis today is about how God has placed his promise in this man named Abraham. And he says, I, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless everybody through you. Anybody who blesses you, I'll bless. Anybody that curses you, I'll curse. And he gives them the promise of land. He gives them the promise of, that he'll be a people. And he gives them a the promise that he'll be a blessing. We're now in the next generation of his family. And in that generation, if you remember correctly, because God can look from the outside of time, remember that Rebecca, his son Isaac, Rebecca's wife had a problem pregnancy. Remember that? So she went to the Lord and she said, why am I having a problem pregnancy? And if we look back at the story there, we'd find out that this is what God said. He said to her, two nations are in your womb, Two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Okay? Which is kind of an interesting thing to be told. She basically is being told, there's going to be conflict in the two children that are inside of you. They're not going to get along. You know, that's one of the things that we pray often for, for our family. Uh, I want our kids to get along and actually be friends so that when we die, they still spend time together. I I want that. But that's not what Rebecca is being told here, is it? She's basically told, your family is going to be dysfunctional. It's going to be turned upside down a little bit. And we find out that that's true. Because when we pick up the story just a little bit later, we find out that this was going to be true of the family. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, an Adirondacker, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Okay, So we find out that she had polar opposites. Not only that, but they looked polar opposites, right? Because Esau means hairy. And the reason that his name was Esau or Harry was because he was hairy. Okay? He was a burly old guy. Okay? His brother was not that way. His brother's name was non harry Well, actually, his brother's name was Jacob, which meant heel grabber, or more correctly, it meant usurper or deceiver. What a horrible name to give your kid. Hey. Hey, hey deceiver, come here. <laughs> you know, you know, it's a hard name. I know that name. It's the same as mine. Um, but so we find out that there was dysfunction because here's the reality. Isaac loved Esau and he ate his game, but Rebecca loved Jacob. And so we find out that there is this dysfunction in the family. And a part of the reason there's a dysfunction is not only are the brothers at odds with each other and completely different, but there's favoritism in the family. There's one that's loved more than the other. Now, I have four children. I have some of the children that do exactly what I say, and we love our daughter very much for that. (laughs) And then I have three boys, and they're all very different. And it is really hard to not play favorites. But it says that they did. We're going to see that that's an issue here. And what we're going to find is that there are two situations that involve a meal. And in those situations, we see the dysfunction of the family grow. The first place we see that is um, in chapter 25. We didn't read this as we were going through because I knew we'd come back to it. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name is Edom, which just means red, because that was the color of the stew. They were having dinty more stew that night. He was hungry. Have you ever been just really hungry so sometimes you just want to eat, and if somebody has food, you're about willing to do anything? Well, that's kind of what happens here. And Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. And Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? So Jacob takes advantage, this deceiver, this, this heel grabber, sees the situation. He says, you want some of my stew? give me your birthright now the birthright meant that basically esau as the oldest son would get double what everybody else got you hungry jacob saw an opportunity esau is so hungry he doesn't give a rip about his birthright today they're probably teenagers right you know I'm never going to die anyway. Dad's going to be here forever. This doesn't really matter. What matters today is dinty more stew. Jacob said, Swear to me now. So he swore to him, and he sold his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of dinty more stew. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went away. Thus... Esau despised his birthright. He decided it wasn't that big a deal. It wasn't that important. He despised it. That, that's the first meal. Esau kind of has an attitude in other areas too. When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Beni the Hittite, to his wife and Bismath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. So not only did he not care about his special blessing that he was supposed to receive, but he married people that didn't get along with his family. They were a pain in the side of his family. There wasn't a desire to honor mom and dad or... To figure out how this all works. It was just like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. That was Esau. That was his family. We pick it up in chapter 27. and It says, when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau's older son to him and said, My son. And he answers, Here am I. And it says, he said, Behold, I am old and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt for game for me and prepare for me delicious foods such as I love and bring it, <clears throat> bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may be blessed before you die. Esau, I'm going to bless you, but to bless you, I, you have to feed me. I, I, I want a delicious meal you you feed me, and I will bless you. Now, we don't understand this because this doesn't exist in our culture. But there was literally a living will to speak of. A way that you would bless the future of your children. That you would see who they were, and you would bless them. And this was especially important for the oldest son. He'd already given up half of his, of his inheritance over a bowl of soup, and now all of a sudden... Isaac was coming to the end of his life and he knew it was time to bless his son his oldest son and he wanted the right meal to do it son you feed me I'll bless you but there's more going on now Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau so when Esau went to the field to hunt for the game and bring it Rebecca said to her son Jacob I've heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two two good young goats so that I may prepare them delicious food for your father. Such as he loves. Now you have to understand, we're not talking about kids here, okay? We already know that Esau is older than 40 at this point, right? So Jacob is older than 42. We're not talking about kids here. But mommy says, I want you to go and do this. And then she goes on and explains this about it. She says, and you shall bring it before your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. Rebecca has a plan, remember? Remember they had favorites? Jacob was her favorite. Maybe she remembered the oracle of God, but I think more that she just remembered that she liked him more than she liked Esau. And she said, Son, I want you to go and do something. Because your father's about to bless your brother, but I want him to bless you instead. I want you to be the one that he blesses. Jacob hesitates, though, and he says this Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem to be mocking him and he'll bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. You know, this was a moment of self-preservation for him. He's saying, you know, he's thinking, I'm, I'm glad at age 40 he's thinking a little. He's saying, there's an issue here. Remember my brother's name? Harry, okay? I'm not the Harry one, okay? And the opposite could happen to me. I don't want to be cursed by my father. I want to be blessed by him. I, I, I'm not sure we can do this. There's a hesitation. The hesitation isn't saying, Mom, this is wrong. We shouldn't do this. We're being cheaters. We're being liars. We shouldn't do this. That wasn't the hesitation. The hesitation was, I, I don't want to be cursed. It's an issue of self-preservation. Listen, this is a real challenge for each one of us in life. We have to decide almost every day, are we going to just take care of ourselves, self-persevere, or are we going to be people of integrity? Even in the smallest little things, we have to decide that. This might sound really silly, but you know, we all have our, our, our lunch tickets to go to the dump, right? fifty for every bag we take to the dump. The other day I was going out there and I was taking my stuff out and in the middle of it, all of a sudden I realized I got home and I had not paid. And I so then I'm double checking, going, Did I really not pay? No, I don't think I paid. You know, and so you kind of go through this thing in your head. So the next time I go to the dump, there's a guy there that JJ wasn't there, and that's usually who I deal with. And I was kind of frustrated because maybe JJ saw me pull away. You see, my my integrity as an individual is worth more than three dollars. It's worth more than two trash cans. It wasn't like, oh, bonus day, they didn't notice. No, that wasn't the issue. And so I look at the guy and I go, hey, um, I have two today, and I think I did two the other day, and I didn't pay you for them. And he looked at me like I was from another planet. <laughs> what did you say? Well, I think I, I, went, I came here two a couple days ago, and I think I forgot to have you punch my ticket. Can you punch two more? What? and he was bothered by it he was bothered by the fact that i was concerned about 3 bucks but see my integrity is worth more than 3 dollars jacob wasn't concerned about his integrity he was concerned about self preservation if i don't pull this off and get and dad curses me i don't want to live with the curse on my life i want blessing Listen to what Rebecca says in response to that. His mother said to him, Let the curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go and bring them to me. Okay? I'll take the curse. Okay? I'll take the curse for you. Just go get the food. Do what I say. You know? Isn't it interesting that probably she was a little gruffer because of the situation? Come on, we've got to get this food made. You know? So all of a sudden, Jacob, because he has somebody else taking the curse, okay, well, I guess I can, I can not have integrity then. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother. Now, listen to the lengths that, you know, being deceptive is not easy. You have to think it through. There's all kinds of details that go along with it. It's not a simple thing. You see that here, she goes. So and his mother prepared the delicious food that her father loved. And then what did she do? Then she took the best garments of Esau, her son, which were in her with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her son. So she got him, she got on the right outfit, you know, gotta wear the right costume. And then the skins of the young goat, she put them on his his hands and on, on the smooth part of his neck. You know, I'm thinking he looked kind of goofy, you know, because I'm thinking Esau's a bigger guy, don't you think? You know, I, I just kind of think that that he's a littler guy, so he's kind of wearing these oversized clothes, you know, it's kind of like he's going to some kind of a weird costume party, and he's got pieces of hair, you know, they didn't have super glue or spray adhesive back then, so somehow she's tied these pieces of hair to parts of his body, uh, when he's walking around, I'm wondering what everybody else is thinking. What's up with him? That is the weirdest outfit ever. And she put the delicious food and the bread which he had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So Jacob went to his father and said, "My father. now here's interesting, okay This whole thing is just so fascinating. It goes, He said, "Here I am. Who are you, my son?' And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Now sit up and eat my game that your soul may bless me. You know, I I can almost hear the impatience in his voice, okay? I am Esau, okay? Just eat. You know, I want to bless you. You know, I want the blessing. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you found this so quickly, my son? He's just, he's just having honest conversation with him, you know? And this is what he says. Because the Lord God granted me success. Wow. Oh, my church. There are times that we are about schemes. And we add Jesus' name to that scheme. What a pitiful thing. What a horrible thing! Then Isaac said to Jacob, "Please come near, that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not." So he's Isaac is he's not he's older he can't see real well, and he's just like something's not right. Come on, come close. I, I want to check out to see really if you are my son Esau. So Jacob. Is, went near to Isaac, his father, and felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Hmm. There are times that the Spirit of God is going to tell us that something isn't just quite right. And we don't know why. But the Spirit of God is giving us a hesitation, and we need to listen to the Spirit of God. Yesterday, Grace's car had a warning light come on, and she's been saving money. And and so she says, Dad, I want to buy a new car. And so yesterday, we drove to Williston, and we drove into this lot. And there have been times when I've looked at cars, and I'm all tied up in knots inside. You know what I'm talking about? But we we came in and we started talking to this guy and there was like this overwhelming peace that came over me. And I'm not a car guy. It's not my thing. It's not what I, I do well. It's not my favorite thing. So I was thinking, I don't know why she has me coming along with her. I'm just concerned whether or not the air conditioner works and the radio works. That's That's kind of the world I live in. Air conditioner wasn't working at first. So... But there was this peace. But see, Isaac didn't listen to the check in his spirit. He asked questions. He kept on questioning things. Something didn't seem right, but Isaac didn't do that. I think it might be the same reason that Esau sold his birthright. The overwhelming smell of that good food. Sometimes there's these impulses that keep us from doing the right thing. This is what he said in the blessing. So he says, are you my son, Esau? And (laughs) Jacob just lies and says, I am. Then he said, bring it to me that I may eat my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. And then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And you know when I looked at that verse, do you know what I immediately thought of? That's how Jesus was betrayed. The night that Jesus died for our sins, the way He was betrayed was by one of His closest friends giving Him a kiss to verify which one He was. There are going to be times in the middle of our dysfunctional families that someone is going to give us a sign of affection that breaks our heart. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed. May God... Give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father Esau, his brother, came in from hunting. And now we read the next half of the story. The real meals finally showed up. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat his son's game, that you may bless me. His father said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who is it then that hunted game and brought it to me, and I ate it all before you came, and I blessed him? Yes, he shall be blessed." You see, the thing that was so interesting in in Jewish culture that maybe we don't understand is that words mattered so much that once words were said, they couldn't be retracted. When this blessing was given, it couldn't be taken back. Isaac realized his error, but he said, I've already blessed someone and that person will be blessed in the way that I gave the blessing. It's not revocable it's irrevocable listen to me today people this is really important because the word of god is irrevocable when the word of god says for god so loved the world that he gave his only son it doesn't say except for in the following situations aren't you glad that the cross of christ is not irrevocable is is, can't be revoked? Aren't you thankful for that? Have you ever had days in your life where you realized that you weren't a very good friend of Jesus today? And you made decisions and you were impulsive and the meal in front of you affected your integrity, so to speak. And you made the kind of decisions that basically, you know, broke the heart of God. Aren't you thankful that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, He didn't die for part of your sin, He died for all of your sin? And that is not revocable. It isn't based on anything that you do. It's based on His great love for you. There might be some of you that have never received this gift in your life. You've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior. You haven't realized this incredible thing that Jesus Christ did for us. The Word of God says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, in the same way that God could look into the future of history and say, hey, Rebecca, your family's going to be kind of messed up. The younger is going to serve the older. The older is going to serve the younger. There's going to be a war between the brothers. Things aren't going to go well. God could look outside of all of history and He says, see all the sin of all of history? I'm going to have my son die on the cross for that. I'm going to have him take the punishment for all that's been done wrong for you and for me. I'm going to ask him to do that. So, that instead of you being outside of my promises, if you accept Jesus as your personal Savior, you can live inside my promises. But you have to decide that. Here's the problem that people have people are deciding that God loved the whole world, so Jesus died for the whole world, so they just get it automatically. And it's not how it works. You have to humble yourself. You have to admit the fact that you have rebelled against God. That you have not been a good member of His family. And that you need His Son to be your Savior. John says that to as many as believe in Him, to those who call upon His name, He gives us the right to be sons and daughters of God. If you have not made that decision, that's where you start. You need a relationship with God. But in this story, Isaac realized that he had made this blessing that he could not take back. And this is how Esau reacted. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to him, Bless me, Father. Even so me. Oh, Father, bless me. You know, when he was younger, he, he pretended like he didn't care about this, right? Birthright, no big deal, right? But he understood the importance. I don't care how old your children are, moms and dads in this room. There is a sense that every child needs to understand the blessing of his parent. There is an acceptance that comes there that nobody else can give as easily. I've seen the miracle. I've experienced the miracle of not ever feeling blessed, but having God reach down into the history of my life and bringing an older pastor into my life who one day came into my office and said, Jim, I've been fasting 10 days for you. Will you kneel before me? So I can bless you as a son. You see, there is a need that every one of us has in our lives. There's a way that love is reversed. Okay, If we don't give the love, then we create takers of love. The word has a fancy word for it. It's called codependency. But really what it means is is that we take love from people instead of give love. If we've received love, if we've been blessed, then we can be a blessing. And so at this moment, Esau's like, oh my goodness, I'm outside blessing. Please, Father, bless me. I want a blessing. This is what Isaac said to him. Your brother has come deceitfully, and he's taken away your blessing. Esau said, he's not rightly, is he not rightly named Jacob, remember, deceiver, usurper? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he's taken away my blessing. Well, let's be a little honest here. You know, when it's bad, we think it's worse, right? He gave up his birthright, didn't he? Didn't he more stew for birthright? But at this moment, and the crushing of being outside of blessing, it all looks pretty dark. You know, Isaac could try to explain that to him right now, but when people are in dark places, that's not a good time to be logical. When people are emotional, being logical doesn't help. If you're married, you know about this. okay? Sometimes one of us is emotional in a marriage, and the other person is trying to be logical. They don't want you to be logical at that time. That is not the way you handle that moment. It doesn't work. I'm seeing people go, amen. Okay. This is Esau's question. Then he said to him, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Oh, I did. I, I reserved a blessing for you and I gave it to someone else. This is what Isaac says. Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him Lord over you and all his brothers I give, have given to him for servants and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? He's got it all. What can I do for you? Esau begs. Have you not one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and he wept. You know, this is an ironic moment. Do you know why there was such a great blessing for Esau that Jacob stole? Because Isaac loved Esau and was going to show favoritism to Esau and gave him all the blessing. You see, the dysfunction is even seen in this moment. And so now Isaac is in his mind going, "Oh my goodness, there's nothing left." I've spent so much time thinking of how I wanted to bless Esau, and now I blessed Isaac with it. There's there's nothing left. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall be your dwelling place, and away from the dew of the heaven on high. Do you notice what he's doing here? He's saying, your blessing is going to be to not receive your brother's blessing. He's just giving him reality. By your sword you shall live and shall serve your brother. And when... You grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Wow. It's going to be bad for you until you get mad enough that you're going to break it. Is this a blessing for a child? Not really. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching, and then I will kill my brother. Here we are again. What was the first sin of the family? Cain killed Abel. Once again, we have the same kind of a solution. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah, so she went and, and called Jacob, the younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise and flee to Laban, my brother, and Haran, and stay until with him a while, until your brother's fury turns away. And as you read in the rest of the chapter, she tells him that, but then she goes to her, her husband and goes, oh, Isaac, I can't bear for my son to marry someone like our other son did. Please send my son back to Laban so that he can find somebody from our people there. And 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 Isaac's like, well, that sounds like a good idea. And so he, he calls he calls his son into the place. He calls Jacob in and he says, Jacob, I've been thinking about it. I really think you should go back to the land of your of your mother's people. And, and, and from, her, from her brother, find if you can find a wife there. And then in the process of doing that, he blesses Jacob again. Bless you in your travels, and may you find a wife. And all of these kinds of things, which just drive Esau nuts, to the point that Esau goes to Ishmael. Remember Abram's other son, Not the son of promise, the son of unpromise. And he takes a wife from that family at the end of the chapter. Now this is a very dysfunctional family, wouldn't you say? They have real issues. And yet I think we can learn some things from this. Because here's the reality that I think is just so hard to fathom and so hard to understand. Is that this is the family of God's promise. This is where the promise of Jesus comes. This is where the promise of Israel comes. One of Jacob's name is eventually going to be changed. We're going to see it in scripture and his name is going to become Israel and he's going to become the father of a great nation and the 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 nation his 12 children of his dysfunction are going to become the heads of it. But God could see all of that. That's why he told Rebecca, there's a war in your womb, woman. Here's the reality of what's going to take place. Because God could look outside of history. But you know what? God was still God of history at that moment. Even though the angels might have been having a conversation saying, well, it looks like those humans messed this one up. We're going to have to get out the sledgehammer. Start from scratch. God took all of this dysfunction, this deceit, this manipulation, this craziness over two meals. Huh? And God gave us a Savior. Out of all that. In fact, if we read the genealogy of Jesus Christ today, we'd find a lot more dysfunction than just in this one generation. So what are the takeaways for us today? Let's go there. God is not limited by man's sinfulness and dysfunction. Okay? That's why even as I pray and cry out for my nation, I am not like so many people. I'm not afraid. That's what they're trying to sell us all today. It's all kinds of crazy fears. That's what it's all about. They might be trying to tell us the truth at some point, but the only way they know how to package the truth is to add fear to it. Have you noticed that? You know? 2050, everything's going to be gone. Well, that makes life a lot easier, doesn't it? They're always trying to sell us fear somehow. We are supposed to be people of faith. So God can take the dysfunction that is the family that I am a part of and move things forward even though it seems like I have done too much damage for it to ever work. Okay? God can take the the dysfunction of your personal life and move it forward. That's what the cross is about. The cross is a miracle. The cross is a miracle that says we get a redo in life. It's better than a mulligan. Okay, We get a complete redo in life. God is saying, my son died for you so that even though you deserve death, You deserve to be punished. I am going to give you life, and I'm going to give you life to the full. I did not come to to destroy you. I came to restore you. So the first takeaway is that. The second takeaway I think is really important is that sin did not eliminate the promise. didn't. The promise still existed even though sin was there. And here's two more takeaways. I think that we have to take a look at our own life. And, it, and it's really easy to stand and be critical of, of, of both Ishmael and, and, I mean, both Isaac and Esau, isn't it? Because they sold something for a meal, right? Right? but i think that each one of us has to act as i was sitting here this morning saying god what are the things that i sell for a morsel instead of accepting your promises for my life what what are the morsels that are somewhat attractive to me you know everybody has a different palate there's different things that we like some of you like seafood there wasn't a lot of that in north dakota The only seafood in North Dakota was a fish stick, okay? And so when I go out for dinner, I don't think lobster roll, no, because it's just a different kind of fish stick to me. But I do think filet mignon. What is the morsel that without realizing it, you find that you can compromise your life for that morsel? What's the morsel in life that, that can cause you to compromise your integrity? What's the morsel in life that you keep on buying into? What's that waif of, 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 that just is too much for you? You know, the, I, I'm, I'm sad for the people of Villa Vispa that it closed, but I'm not sad for me because some days I'd be sitting in my office and all I could think about is garlic bread you know because it would be just the smell would be coming over here you know but what is the morsel in your life that is causing you to not receive all the blessing that God wants to give you how are you compromising the holiness that he has for you with the unholy activity that is the appetites of your life The last one here is just really important to me. Everybody needs blessing. And we can give that blessing to other people. We can be that encouragement to other people. I cannot tell you how much I wept when Max came into my office and said, I want to bless you today. But there's another part to that story, okay? The other part to that story is a while ago, my mom was trying to figure out how to help Jacob, our, her grandson, my nephew. And said, we're just concerned about him. I said, well, write him a letter of encouragement and tell him the things that you love about him and that are important to him. you about him. Just love on him and encourage him. Well, that sounds interesting. What is that called, Jim? It's called a blessing. Oh, what a neat idea. I never thought to do that for somebody. And the voice of God came to me and said this. They didn't sometimes bless you as much as you thought you wanted because they were being mean to you. They just didn't know any better. So get over it, Jim. Okay, God. But I think everybody in life needs people that come alongside of them And says, this is what I see in you. This is what I love about you. This is what you do. You are so powerful. You are so so amazing. Our kids need that blessing from us. But I think our friends need that blessing from us. But in this disconnected world where we don't even know each other very well sometimes, it's hard to give a blessing because it's so generic. I like you. You're pretty. Nice shirt. You know, that's not a blessing. A blessing is the thoughtful seeing what God sees in an individual and helping it bloom into something more than it already is. Your kids need that. Your grandkids need that. Your spouse needs that. And probably other people in this body need it. There is a way That we can give irrevocable blessings to one another. And God is calling us to do that because there's a world of Esau's crying out saying, Is there no blessing for me that live in this world of no blessing? My father, stepfather, was one of those men. He was abused as a child. No blessing. But every Saturday, he was supposed to clean his dad's car. And so every day, Saturday, he cleaned his dad's car, hoping to one time hear God say, you did a great job. But all he would ever hear is, come here, son. You know, underneath the wheel well here where nobody can see, you didn't wash that part very well. Come here, son. You need to spend a little more time on the windshield because... You know, when when the sun comes out, there's going to be some streaks. Come here, son. You know, you know, you know. When you vacuum, you have to vacuum all the way under the seats. And so, do you know what my dad has done his whole life? Every Saturday, he's washed his car. And I watch him. He'll step back from it when he's done. And do you know what I want, do you, do you know what he wants to hear? He just wants to one time hear his dad say, you did good, son. Thanks for your hard work. You know how I like it. The blessing was stolen from him. Do not steal the blessing from each other. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your love for us. I pray that the truth of your word and what you really think about us would penetrate us deeply because we live in a world that is trying to tell us lies about who we are. And God, I pray that in those moments when we don't get the verbal blessing from another person, that we will receive the blessing from you, the God of heaven, and that you will take good care of us in that way. And God, I pray that the most important blessing that you want to give us, that we'll receive it, and that's your son. And I pray for the people here that haven't entered into that blessing yet of relationship with you. And I pray that today would be the day that they would ask you to be their personal Savior. That you would bless them. God, I pray that you would continue to give us hope as we are your dysfunctional family. We don't get it all right, and yet you stand outside of history, and you are more powerful than any force in history, and so we pray for your blessing, and we pray that you would work out your promises in us, even though we feel somewhat damaged and somewhat dysfunctional every day. Thank you for the brokenness that is taken care of by the cross of Jesus Christ. God, we love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Let's sing one the song together as we close.